0: All right, welcome to the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. I'm Petey Williams, and uh, my co-host is Dennis. He's, uh, he's on vacation, but it's all right. You know, I'll, I'll stop there for the applause from everybody listening. All right. Now, uh, Dennis is on vacation, but filling in for Dennis is from uh, a guy from the podcast In This Ring, Joe Pizzapia. Joe,
1: how's it going, eh? It's going great, brother. I'm excited to be here. Who needs Dennis Farrell, baby? I'm going to come in here with you. We're going to rock this. We're going to take this over. We're going to have some fun while he's out. God knows what. He's probably got, you know, one cigar in his mouth, one probably lit in the ashtray, one probably behind his ear. God knows what Dennis is doing, man. But I'm excited to be on here. I was on a couple of weeks ago with Dennis talking wrestling when you were off. So I guess I'm kind of like the vacation sub now, which hey, there's worse things to be.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agreed. And I, I, the cigar thing, I could totally see Dennis doing that with cigars like stuck in uh, every orifice of his body or whatever. <laughs> I, I didn't say that, but uh, it's like an invasion angle. But um, uh, before we get to it first, um, I know Dennis always thanks all the fans uh, before we start our show and stuff like that. So I just, I also want to thank uh, all our fans and listeners. And uh, believe it or not, I was looking on iTunes the other day and we got like, I guess in the category of like sports and recreation or or when there's certain categories, we're like number six. I know they fluctuate all day and stuff like that, but, uh, truly unbelievable. I'm like just uh, speechless. Thank you to all the fans for, um, just listening and all that stuff. And if you, if you haven't subscribed yet, you know, please go there, subscribe, give us a five-star rating, you know, help us, uh, you know, grow this. I'm just having so much fun doing it. Um, looking at, uh, some, some future things we have going on with, uh, the Wrestling Perspective Podcast. We got, uh, two guests that, uh, we have lined up. Um, one is, uh, Kevin Heffernan, who's, uh, in Super Troopers too. so how cool is that that we have a guy, I know he's a big wrestling fan, so I'm really excited to talk to him. Also, um, a stand-up comedian and TV star, uh, Ron Funches, I think I'm saying that right Ron Funches, huge wrestling fan as well so I always like talking to um like people that aren't in the wrestling business but they're wrestling fans to see their perspective from the outside and uh just super excited that's gonna be coming in the, the upcoming weeks but uh other than that that's all the housekeeping stuff we have going on and uh yeah, Joe. I mean, what do you got? Well turn it over to you. <laughs> well, geez, I got to follow that now,
1: PD, but let me tell you about I, that. I, I
0: just, I, I had to get that out of the way. Yeah. yeah. You got any
1: more stars you want to drop before you throw it to me? I mean, geez, yeah, I got, you know, is Brad Pitt coming on next week too? I mean, Christ. No, th- that's, that's uh, awesome. Hopefully, yeah.
0: 2019 Brad Pitt is what we're hoping for. He's not even a wrestling fan, so we don't even care.
1: Well, you know what, but that's, that's the great thing about this business, right? It's, you know, it, it's, you know, you don't always know like, where those patches are in the entertainment world of people who love this, whether it's, you know, the athletes like the Josh Reddicks of the world in baseball, you get a lot of athletes who are really into wrestling, you get, um, you know, a lot of actors, I myself come from the acting world originally in the sports world. And, you know, for me, it was something that I grew up with, uh, I, I remember going to see a Nassau Coliseum dude i i was there at you know closed circuit tv for wrestlemania 3 uh, and to watch you know dude. macho man and steamboat yeah yeah I'm, I'm, I'm giving my age a little bit almost i'm just about pushing 40 <laughs> wow. but i remember being there and and i mean i had been hooked and i remember my dad used to let me stay up to watch you know the old saturday night main events that used to be on which was you know you know you get to stay up till like 11 o'clock and watch it was so cool and you know, and it's just something that I've carried on and my kids are into it now and I got two daughters and they're super into it. And the women are just so spectacular now. I mean, it's just, you know, what that women's divisions become. And, and for them, it's just, they're so incredibly into it that my daughter's eighth birthday was a whole theme. I even made a wrestling belt cake. I'm a Renaissance man, PD. I made a cake for my daughter, the wrestling belt and I'll, I'll show it to you, but, but let's get into it and let's, let's talk about some of the, uh, some of the big stuff going on recently. And I know you just had Double J on. Yeah, Jeff Jarrett on a couple of weeks ago. And I heard the interview. It was terrific. I thought you guys did a great job. And I know how important he was to you in this business. And, you know, for these, you know, for the new people and people who are in the independent circuit, you know, how important is it when somebody sticks their neck out for you? Or how important is it when you get to a point in this business where somebody either takes a shot on you or takes you under their wing? And, you know, how, how does that really... Affect your career then going forward? Because, I mean, doesn't everybody kind of need that shot no matter how much talent you have? It takes that one person to kind of put their wing around you and kind of pull you along with them.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. That's a huge thing in this business. Somebody's always uh, kind of sticking their neck out for you. And I've done it for people before. And, you know, the guy obviously that stuck their neck out for me to Jeff Jarrett, and I call him Uncle Jeff. Is uh, is Scott Demore? You know, he, I, mm-hmm. Scott was always a big fan of mine. knew I was a solid worker and stuff. And this is pre before I, you know, did the Canadian Destroyer and stuff. And he kept saying like, yeah, I got this guy named, uh, you know, Pete Williams. He looks like Buff Bagwell uh, that got thrown into a dryer. And but when he came out of <laughs> the dryer, he learned how to work. Oh um, my
1: God, that is that is know, that's quite they, the description, my man. Let me tell you that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, I mean, you know, they, I think they passed on me once um, because, you know, it was just like, I was just going to be a dude that like a random X division dude that came in and, and did X division stuff. And then, uh, yeah, I, I, that's when they decided to do the team Canada angle. And, you know, originally I want to say before they had like the more doing the coach, the more they were going to, they were tr- going to try to get Bret Hart as the coach, but that didn't come to. And then, the old team candidates like Teddy Hart, Jack Evans, and they wanted to get um, T.J. Wilson actually, who is uh, um, yeah, T.J. Wilson. What, what's his name in WWE? It's still T.J. Wilson, right? No, uh, was well, it T.J.P. Um, no, it Tyson was... Kidd. Tyson. Oh, Kidd. oh, Tyson Kidd. Oh, no, Tyson, Tyson Kidd lives there. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So yeah, T.J. Uh, so Tyson Kidd, they wanted him in there for whatever reason. I don't know if he got tied up with WWE. I can't remember what's going on with that. Um, but they also wanted uh, Davy Bush Smith. Uh, kid uh, Harry Smith Uh, but he wanted to finish school so you know I just it happened to be the right circumstances at the right time where they needed an extra body that was actually legit Canadian and Scott you know like you said stuck his neck out for me and uh, it it happened it it worked out pretty well because that night that we did all the filming and stuff we before the we did the Wednesday pay-per-views before the show went on the air uh, we filmed four matches four single matches for uh, something that was going to air on a uh, like a pre-taped uh, pay-per-view later on down the road, like in a couple weeks. And Teddy Hart got injured in his match, and he was supposed to be in the first match in the live pay-per-view. And when he got injured, they said we can't put him on the live pay-per-view, so they put me in there. So it just so happened like Scott stuck his neck out for me. I performed, and then I overperformed because they were able to fill me in. Like, like you have 15 minutes to repair. Go ahead and do it and i was able to perform and then you know i remember abyss saying like man i can't believe that you did that like uh, he was in He's like that that was a tough position to be in and stuff like that so sometimes it works when people stick their neck out for you and even so like when it came down to and sometimes it doesn't but um after we did all that and then it came out um they wanted to 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 give me the title and it was kind of like obviously jeff's decision and he's like well you know, we got to switch this up. You know, I guess we could put it on one of the Canadian guys and who should we put it on? Cause Johnny DeVine was also in the X division, but uh, it was kind of like the choice, like, Oh, let's put it on PD. He does that Canadian destroyer. Let's, you know, he, he kind of took a risk with me, but that's, that's what Jeff did. Like he created TNA, he created impact and he was trying to make stars, trying to take risks, trying to do something different. And you know, some of them paid off, some of them didn't. And, um, it's just, it's, it's
1: what he did. And, well, and he also gave a shot to, yeah. you know, a different type of wrestler too, you know, the, the athleticism, you know, and that's always been the knock on the big company at times too. in the WWE is that obsession that Vince has always had with the big man and, you know, all that sort of stuff. But, you know, the evolution and things have changed You know, I'm a big Shawn Michaels guy in, in my lifetime, that was my guy. And, you know, that to me, it, it's, it's about the guy who could tell the story. It's, but the guy who can do, you know, can work in the ring, can work on the mic. I don't care if he's big. I don't care if he's small. I don't care. You know, and, and I feel like nowadays, and, and this is a good transition to this question too, because I was curious what your thoughts are. But I think that nowadays, the general wrestling public, the the true hardcore fan base, is 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 very open and at peace with the idea of you know that you know the, the main guy or the top level guy or somebody who holds a belt who's running the you know running the show at the top of the chain it doesn't have to be. A six five guy he doesn't have to be, you know, these, one of these huge dudes anymore, because because right now, I mean, you you earn respect from the athleticism, you earn respect by by your in ring work and what you can do on Mike and all that stuff, and I feel like that evolution has really taken hold, and you see guys like AJ now, who I know you worked with for years and stuff, you know, he's the top over there in WWE. You see, you know, some of these other guys nowadays who are, you know, not the biggest dudes, but really they've, I feel like that. That's almost kind of, you know, that it's like ancient history. Do you feel like that? Do you feel like now we've gotten to a place where the fan bases accept that as, you know, we don't care the size of the dude at the top of the food chain. Yeah. We want that to just be the best dude there is.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I. that's what it is nowadays. I mean, but go go back to like the 80s, okay? Look at what, like what was on television as, you know, the standard for what a male should be. And what a female should be like, you look at, like, I remember growing up in the eighties, he man, I mean, oh, sure, dude is jacked, you know, he's like the star of the show, all this kind of stuff. And like, you know, what, what, what's the female that's the, the top Barbie, right? You know, looking like super, you know, just like her, her bust and waist size and all that kind of stuff and beautiful, all that kind of stuff. And nowadays, I mean, we're in a movement right now where that's, that's actually not politically correct to, to look that way. It's almost like if you have muscles, you're frowned upon. It's what it, like, we're almost like, like the other end of the spectrum now. So, yeah, I mean, and I think people don't care. Like you look at UFC and stuff like that. Sometimes the heavyweights aren't the biggest draw. You know, you look at Conor McGregor. He's nowhere near – I'm I'm more – I weigh more than Conor McGregor, and I'm like a cruiserweight. And, you know, he's the biggest draw right now. I mean, it just – it matters of who's going to put on the best show, who people want to see, who people are going to be entertained by. And, and and that's what it is. And now, is there a place for guys that are, like, larger than
1: life, big and jacked and all oh, that kind sure. of stuff? Oh, sure. Well, yeah. you get – when you get a guy like yeah. a Braun Strowman who – you know, I don't know yeah. if I've ever seen a guy that big – do the kind of stuff that that guy can do he's fast he you know I mean legitimately fast like to get around the ring we all know the power of a guy like that but I mean you know you don't see the big guy leave his feet very often too and he's not afraid to leave his feet and that's something you don't see with the big six eight three hundred pound guy that's you know usually they're the big and slow kind of thing he's not like that he is he's a freak of nature in terms of the athleticism and I think you know I think that's what people want to see you know I feel like we're at a point now in, in just, you know, when you see the New Japan stuff and you see the Lucha Underground stuff and you see, you know, Ring of Honor and TNA and all these and all these groups now, you know, the athleticism is what captivates people. But still, I feel like if you can't tell the story with it, it's just a lot of fancy moves and not a lot of, you know, it doesn't drive home, it doesn't stick with people. And that's, I think, the difference is, too, you got a lot of great storytellers out there. you got the guys like Kenny Omega who knows how to go out there and, you know, run a match and, and tell a story with it. And I think that's... You know, I, I don't know if you saw it. You know, I'm, I'm not sure if you did or not, but did you, you saw the Jericho Kenny Omega earlier in the year, right?
0: I didn't see the match, but I, okay. I heard all about it. I mean, i I wrestled Kenny Omega back when he was still living in Winnipeg, man. Like, you know, I figured as much. Anything. <laughs> you all, all you Canadian yeah. guys,
1: you all know each other. Everybody wrestles yeah. <laughs> together. But I'll tell you what, you, the story of the match, you know, the way it unfolds and, and the storytelling through choreography is it, that's where it's at. Like, that's always to me, The pinnacle and when you can capture the imagination you can capture you know people in a you know when you can tell a story like Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at Wrestlemania you know the light and the dark and all this stuff and and you can make it work to me that's the coolest you know I want to talk about one of these guys too and and talk about you know the big return of Daniel Bryant which happened last week and you know there's a guy too an organic superstar a little guy that kind of fits that mold that we're talking about and when I say organic superstar I mean it you know those guys that You know, whether or not, you know, the WWE wanted to push this guy or that guy, whatever it was, you know, the crowd let everybody know this is the guy that we want. And the two years obviously out and now back in the ring, the organic superstar, how important is that now that companies, no matter what level it is, whether it be indies, whether it be the bigger companies, how important is it that they listen to that fan base and basically go along with it to a certain extent and push those guys organically as the crowd kind of builds with them?
0: Yeah, so um, I'll give you kind of a long answer on that one.
1: Well, we got time, Um, baby. I mean, we're here. I I cleared my schedule uh, for you,
0: Petey. (laughs) Thanks. Um, I just, I have so many things uh, about that organic. It's, so to answer your question in short, it's so important now in a wrestling company to listen to the fans. I mean, everything, a social media and just listening to the fans and all that kind of it's not like the old days where you'd be like this is our guy we're gonna push him fans are gonna like him because we're booking him this way there's no social media that's that's what we're gonna do so now it's different and you know daniel O'Brien, i mean man you and you are right it was so organic like you could tell wwe did not want to put him in that main event spot back in that wrestlemania i think it was like wrestlemania 30 or something like that mm-hmm. um they didn't want to do it so bad, but they're like, you know what, we got him, man. I'm like, this, this guy's our biggest star. And the more that the office didn't want it to do it, the more the fans wanted it. So it's so important with that organic. Now, looking at his return, I mean, I'm super happy he's coming back. I know he he missed wrestling. When I was out of wrestling for three years, I missed it so much, and I I came back, and it's it just it's a good feeling. I I know what he's feeling like. He he's feeling like uh like refreshed, like a, like a resurrection, like a like, I, I, just so excited because he gets to do it again, and he hasn't been able to do it and stuff. So I, I get his feeling. I, at the same time, I'm kind of like, I'm a little concerned because, like, when I stepped away from wrestling, it was for it, it was not injury related. With him, it is he's he's got kids now. But
1: well, when you I stepped away, was it a burnout
0: I, thing, Petey, or was it, you know, uh, you no, know, it wasn't injury. Yeah, no, it wasn't anything like that. I just had a different direction in life I was going to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it just so happened that, uh, some things opened up and stuff like that. I was kind of pulled back into it and it it just worked out to my benefit, but, um, it it wasn't an injury thing at all with him. It is. And, you know, if it was an injury thing for me back then, and I have kids now, I, I probably wouldn't step back in the ring just because, I mean, I've seen guys break their necks off of something so small. It doesn't even look like, like it was anything. Um so I'm I'm concerned at that aspect because you know and I've said this on you know just when I did the the media conference call with Impact last Wednesday um I told them I said you know back when I was in my early 20s throughout my whole life wrestling has always been number 1 to me always number 1 uh, nothing else came before that but now you know I have kids and and people that look you know, little kids that look up to me and they rely on me and all that kind of stuff right. that you know, my kids are number one now and wrestling is number two. And that's, that's just the way it is. And, you
1: know, It's a I'm healthier not perspective a, though too, Petey, you know, yeah. you know, because I think in a, in some ways, having that perspective of where you put the business second, you know, it, it might actually make you better at it at this point in your life. Don't you think to a certain extent?
0: I think I evolved as a wrestler. I could see myself going back. Like when I came back, um, I'm not doing anything crazy in the ring at all. I'm taking much more calculator risk because I have little ones. I have three little ones that, you know, rely on me to come home every night before I didn't, I could do whatever I want. I was like, yeah, powerbomb me on the ground. Yeah, it'll hurt. You know, I might be able not, might not be able to walk for a week or whatever, but uh, it'll be awesome. Right now. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to take that powerbomb to the ground because I got to be able to walk and play with my kids and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, with Daniel Bryan and his injuries, I mean, if it's true what he says about having seizures and stuff like that, I mean, that's that's like, yeah, I, I I hope nothing bad happens to him and stuff like that. I hope he does take on maybe that lighter schedule and not like a. I know, I know Daniel Bryan though. He's gonna want to be like, yeah, let me work all the house shows, all the pay per views, all the raws, all the – oh, That would be that, that would stuff. be so foolish, man.
1: Do. I hope that's not what they do either. You know, that, that that's you know, I hope at least not right away. And I, I there's a part of me too that wonders. You know, he's still so young, but I wonder, too, about a certain amount of legacy. You know, I mean, how how does it tarnish the legacy if he comes back and he's holding back in the back of his head? I mean, I've seen this with players. I've covered, you know, baseball, football for the last decade. And, you know, for me, you know, you watch some of those guys and they come back from injuries and they're not quite the same because there's always something measured or there's always something in the back of their head. And when you're – you know, I understand the adrenaline of the crowd and I totally understand that as a fighter. I I, I teach – fighting and, and sword work in New York. I train actors to go fight on TV and, and, you know, that's, that's my job. And, you know, to me that I feel like even, even in there, when there's an injury, when someone has an injury and you're working around it, there's something always in the back of your head about it. And sometimes, you know, with the, with the audience and the pop and stuff like that going on, you lose yourself in it and it goes. But then there's other times where that starts to die down after the first couple of times again, and you're back in control of it. And I kind of wonder at a certain point, you know, is there a possibility of tarnishing the legacy of what he built too, of of where he was? And and we've had so much, you know, we have two years away from something or two years in change, and everybody looks back even more fondly, even though it was a great run that he had and a great career. Do you think there's even a chance of him ruining a legacy a little bit?
0: Um, you know, that's a good question because how do man, and it's hard to answer that because a couple things, he's been on TV for the past so many years when he's not been wrestling. Right. So I I don't that's kind of a bummer to me. If they knew he well, they didn't know he was going to come back. But had they known he was going to come back, keep him off TV for years. I mean, remember when Shawn Michaels made his big return? Oh yeah. And I mean, he was he was off and on commissioner this that and the other thing, but you know he wasn't like on a weekly basis on their television show. So when he comes back, it's not like yeah, we can't wait to see Dan O'Brien again, like. You already got to see him every week. Now you just get to see him wrestle again and fight for titles and stuff like that. So um, well, there's part
1: of me that wonders you know, too, Petey, if if they if what happened was you know that he was clear to get all the doctor's clearances and at a certain point they really didn't want to they they never had intentions of putting him back in the ring. And basically, the hand got forced. It's like, do we let this guy walk because he's willing to walk and go somewhere else to another brand, and how much is that going to hurt us? Or do we bite the bullet and, and go, look, you know, if he's cleared, he's cleared, and we got to let him go because we can't afford to lose him. I wonder how much of a business decision at the end of the day it was.
0: Yeah, and that's a good question, too, because I don't know, because I'm not sitting in those those meetings or anything like that. But You should be. We should, you yeah, and I both should be. Let's get some seats <laughs> at those meetings. How about
1: – but we'll get one for Dennis, too. We'll get one for Dennis. We'll get three seats at the meeting. Yeah. It'll be a good time.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, I mean – I know uh, a lot of people are wondering about uh, and questioning the booking at WrestleMania. It seems like it's going to be uh, like a mixed tag or something like, or no, it, no, not mixed tag. Well, Shane, maybe. Well, him know, and but, Shane. Uh, against, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sammy and Kevin, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I mean, that's it, good though. That's good. A lot of people are like, Oh, you know, he deserves much more than that. stuff like, that. I remember when I made my return, I like begged like Tommy dreamer. I'm like, Hey man, you know, it's been like three years since I've wrestled can you not put me in a singles match? Because, I mean, I, I, I haven't done this in so long. I'm like, can you put me in, you know, like a tag match or a multiple-man match? So it's good right now for where Daniel Bryan's and at. And it's great to work with two guys he's got such back. a
1: familiarity with, too,
0: you know? Yeah, but I mean, that's, this, that's this is great. because This is what's going to happen. I'm calling this right now. If this is the tag match that they do, you know, Daniel Bryan will get a shine spot with his yes kicks and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, they'll take the heat on Shane McMahon And then Daniel Bryan, I get his hot tag and he'll do his drop kicks in the corner and all that kind of, and it'll be great. Like, it'll be like Daniel Bryan highlight reel. It'll, it'll be, and that's what it'll be. And they'll get them back up. So, I mean, I I like the fact that they're, they're slowly building them in and then, you know, wait till SummerSlam or whatever to give them title shots and all that kind of stuff. The only problem I have with it is like the reason why the fans fell in love with him so much beforehand is because. WWE didn't want to push him, but the fans were like, we love him so much. So it, it, it was almost like it was the fans against the machine right. and organically it just happened. Now it's like, he's back. Now WWE's like, yeah, yes. Yeah, so, you know, cheer for Daniel Bryan. I, I, I know you, we, we know you guys like him. Like it's almost like machines behind him now. So it's, it's not happening organically <laughs> yeah. right now. Now it's like the, the WWE knows what the fans like, it's just, Uh, what he what he was represented is not well that moment in time is over
1: hopefully you know what i mean that 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 capsule is. is over of the like you said the man against the machine he is he is absolutely part of the machine now and and he was such an important part of the machine that i just think they couldn't let him walk and i think that you know their intention was to keep him on tv and keep him part of the brand and then at this certain point was you're right in a perfect world he would have gone away for a while and come back but Obviously, the groundswell, it all just came up and came to fruition at the right time. And, you know, with WrestleMania coming and all that, it just made sense. And there's no way you can let him walk. It would just, it would just be bad for business. And I don't think Triple H and company were going to let that happen. Yeah, I want to ask you something on the flip side of this. Because, Petey, if if Daniel Bryan is everything that, you know, reeks of organic superstar and the guy who put his dues in and made it, and then you got Ronda Rousey on the other end of that spectrum, who's coming from a whole different universe of the UFC stuff, who, you know, God bless her. We all know how great she was as a fighter. And no one's going to question her work ethic. I don't question her commitment. I don't question any of that. To me, there's something else. There's an X factor. There's something else about this business that you either have or you don't. And that's the ability. It's that charisma to hold the crowd. It's that, that being able to connect to what you're doing and to me so far, in the, and I know it's been a short sample size and we haven't really seen her in the ring yet, I'm having a hard time connecting. I thought they did a, they had a package about her a couple weeks ago that was really good, where you really got to know a lot about her and the reasons why she was doing it. She was very emotional and kind of humanized her. But I always have a hard time, always, I and mean, this goes back to the 80s, whenever, you know, for Mr. T days, for God's sakes, whenever you're trying to bring on somebody, some star, whether it be Lawrence Taylor, whether it be... I mean, God, you know, we've done it, you know, in the WCW days with the, you know, the Dennis Rodman's and Carl Malone's and stuff to me, whatever it is, it always feels forced. It never works. And I know this is a unique individual and I understand the importance of eyeballs and I understand she moves the needle. I get all that, but the wrestling audience, do you think that th- that hardcore fan base is going to buy into her when they're basically kind of number one, shoving her down the throat? And number two, she kind of seems to lack that X factor quality, where I feel like already she doesn't have that charismatic feel. Like you automatically just go, "Yep, that's the one."
0: Yeah, no, I agree, and I I think like right when she, I talked about this with Dennis, like right when she like came out at the Royal Rumble, or like when they, yeah, yeah, I think when yeah, she came out at the Royal Rumble, Rumble uh-huh. I said, "You know what, man?" I said, "I think the fans are going to turn on her just because she doesn't have like they they know that." you know, she has the machine behind her. It's not it feels so forced. Thing. Like,
1: she's pointing to the, it, she's it like does. smiling. And then she's angry and pointing to the sign. She was like the angry monkey from family guy. She got pointing to the sign and then she would smile. And then she would point to the sign angry. I was like, what's going on? It's like, they told her in her ear to do certain things. And it just felt yeah. weird, man. No, that, and that's what it is because the thing is when you
0: start on the Indies, you look at guys like Daniel Bryan, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, you know, AJ, Joe, all those guys, they've been at it for like anywhere years, from right. 10 to 20 years. Right. So they know how to read, like they have so much like experience with reaction. Right. So now you have Ron Rousey ha- hasn't done this. So obviously like I- I'm assuming Triple H is mentoring her. And he's saying like, listen, when the camera's here, do this, do that, do a, you know, a smile with a grin, just like you said, point to this sign. It'll be great. It'll look great on TV, but it doesn't come off as natural because she hasn't been doing it for 20 years. Like some of these other guys have. And that's why I think, you know, part of it, the fans are going to turn on her because they're going to realize like, man, she just doesn't, she doesn't seem natural doing like the fans aren't going to know what it is. That's off, but they're going to be like, Oh, something's off. Like, we don't know what it is, but, and what it is, I'm telling them right now, it's the experience behind it. Just like, you know, having all the experience of, of doing all those things. She doesn't have them. They're, they're feeding them to her and she's just trying to absorb it. And she's going to treat it like it's like, uh, this is what I feel like, like a movie, like acting lines and stuff like that. And yeah, camera work and all that kind of stuff. She just doesn't have the experience. And, you know, I do, I hope it works out for her because she's Ronda Rousey. Like, and I'm sure on physically Earth in the ring she, she Earth, has, you know?
1: enormous athleticism oh, yeah. potential. And and I, and I kind of worry too, where, where you're putting so much pressure on a WrestleMania match where she's going to be working off Stephanie and God bless Stephanie. You know, I love her. But I mean, is that really the first entree that you want to put her in? And like you said, you know, it's easier to put her in the tag match. It's safer and all that. And maybe she'll end up working more with Triple H who knows how that's all going to work out. But I just feel like they're they're setting it all up for failure. And, and on top of that, man, you know, the wrestling fan has a BS meter that's much higher than others. They know when someone's out there and having fun. They know when someone's out there and is nervous. They know when someone's out there and just doesn't have a feel or is not connected to the whether it's the gimmick, the character, the material, whatever it is. They know, they smell it. And when they smell fear, you're you're as good as toast. You know that and you've seen it happen, I'm sure a million times to people with a lot of talent, but you just, if you can't connect to that audience and there's something that's not authentic about it, they sniffing out, they know it and they recognize it. And it's really hard to make up that ground.
0: Yeah, no. And I know, and she's with, uh, there's WrestleMania match. I mean, Stephanie hasn't wrestled in, I can't even remember the last time Stephanie wrestled. Kurt Angle has had one match in the past, uh, in WWE in the past, well, since last WrestleMania, yeah, right? since he, he came in, yeah, he came in. He's, six man.
1: Well, yeah, he came in uh, because of the uh, the illness. That was when the illness ran through everybody, and it was uh, yeah. Roman was out, and all those guys were out. Bray Wyatt was out. I think some of, I don't know, meningitis outbreak. Some some awful kind of thing was like going through there. Yeah,
0: the, the mumps, Yeah.
1: Yeah. So whatever it was, so, all I know. Next thing you know, Kurt Angle's dressed up in a shield vest, and I'm looking around, going, "What the hell is going on here?" And, and then Finn Balor fought AJ, which was great. That was fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and that, that was probably, you know what? I remember when that mumps outbreak happened and they had to pull an AJ and I know Finn was supposed to wrestle, uh, uh, Bray, Bray uh-huh. I, the AJ and Finn match would, oh man, it was with no buildup or anything was way better than anything that Finn and Bray would have done together. Oh, um, 100%. So, and it's just, you know, just two professionals in the ring together. And just AJ is just so awesome. But, you know, looking at Ronda Rousey's WrestleMania match, you got four people in there. Ronald Rousey hasn't even had a wrestling match yet. This will be our first one. Kurt has had one in the past year that was like a multiple man match. Stephanie, it's been probably years since she's had a match. And, you know, Triple H, I mean, he's had house shows and all that kind of stuff, but he's still a part time wrestler. But, you know, he's going to be the one laying all this out overproducing. I mean, they're probably going through the match. Like as we speak right now, Well oh, no, Roz on right now, but I mean,
1: you know, <laughs> no, going they might the be doing it there too. They, they might still be in the back. Yeah. Uh, you're right though. It's going to be so heavily choreographed too, but you and I both know once you hit that ring, it all changes. Once you hit that audience, especially an audience of that size and the adrenaline pumps in and things get away from you yeah. when you're not used to that. Cause that's the other thing too, is it's such an, ex- it's one thing to do it in front of a, in front of a, a, a small, you know, arena. It's another thing to do in front of a arena. It's another thing to do it at WrestleMania. You know, where the attention and the yeah. focus factor, is so high. It's it's a lot of pressure. And I feel like they're there's they they they're only thinking about the upside, but not enough about the downside. And I feel like they're not protecting themselves a little bit here. And they're making a big investment. If it fails, I kind of think you know it's gonna be one of the things we look back on in a couple of years and go, oh yeah, remember that experiment? Because I feel like it's headed that way already.
0: Well Okay. So what they're doing right now is good with Ronda Rousey because they're, they're, they're putting her in a tag match, mixed tag. You know, she's going to get her hands on triple H. So they're going to make her look strong, you know, wrestling a man. I, I would say like, she's going to throw him around and stuff. she's already done that. On
1: right. She put him through stuff. a table I mean, a couple I mean, weeks ago. Right? They're making her a
0: badass. They can't put her in a singles match because that would, I mean, I don't even know how much training she's doing that. That, that will expose her. I think so. Um, right now where they're sitting with the mixed tag, you know, if anything, if they get lost in there or whatever Kurt and, and triple H could come in, they can smooth things over. Um, but I mean, they're, they're probably going to be going over it. They've already, already started going over it and laying out the match. I, I guarantee it. Um, cause it's like, I don't know, like two weeks away or something like that. So, um, at, right now what they got is good. I just, I, I think the fans are going to turn on her. I mean, when you, when you see her come out, the fans cheer, but they don't cheer like they just saw Rusev or something like that. You know well, what there's I mean? another like organic like, yeah, one that's happening
1: and that's going to be yeah. fast. I'm so glad you, you said that because I, that, that's one to me that, that I saw. And even last week, when it was him and Shinsuke, who's another, you know, fan darling. But this Rusev groundswell, I mean, you know, it's one thing for the groundswell in Philadelphia a couple you know, months back and stuff with the Rumble. And, you know, I went to school in Philadelphia, and Philly's a big – you know, Philly's a great wrestling town. Philly's just a – you know, mm-hmm. I was in college during the, the birth of ECW. And we used to go to those shows and we were looking at each other like, what is this? Oh my God. Like,
0: (laughs) What what did we find?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, to be able to be in Philadelphia at that time. And then, you know, it was also the Attitude Era. So we were at WrestleMania 15 that was in Philadelphia. We went to everything we could whenever it was around. But you know, when you're talking about Rusev, there's another guy too now who's been in the company a while and all of a sudden, whatever it is, whatever's working, finally the truth and honesty the sensibility of letting the person have their natural, there's something about him now that is the natural personality of Rusev that's shining through, which I see glimmers of with Stroman too. Cause I was at a house show back in December with my kids and he was hilarious doing selfies, doing all these other things down the ramp. And I was like, wow, this guy's really funny. And he was very, you know, he's got a good sense of humor. He's very quick witted. He's, he's aware of the camera. Do you think that Rusev is, you know, are, is this another one of these spots here where if they don't listen to the crowd, they don't listen to the fan base, they're going to miss a great opportunity here with Rusev who, you know, I don't know if anybody saw this coming, but whatever's happening now, it's for real.
0: Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're totally missing this opportunity. I mean, it's, but it's just because it's WWE, WWE, you can look back at it with Brian. Like a lot of times they think, okay, this isn't our plan. Okay. This thing will wear off. And a lot of the times, like if you look at Fandango, you know, for a while, like, people were mm-hmm. doing his song and stuff. They're like, that'll wear off. And it did wear off, right? And then Daniel Bryan, they were like, uh, that'll wear off. Oh, but it didn't wear off. Oh, man, we're getting a lot of heat for this. Well, we better do something with this. So, so you yeah, think they test the it? Pressure,
1: is that what you think? You think they no, I you don't think they think... want to see how real it is by letting to see how far it goes? And if, it, and if it's far enough, then they buy in?
0: Yeah, because sometimes, and I think they learned this from the past, they'll buy in too quick, and they'll be like, oh, man, you know, uh that's fair maybe maybe we shouldn't have brought bought in and i mean i i don't know but i think um in a little bit um this rusev day thing will be gone it'll be a thing of like oh yeah that was so 2018 um because i don't i really don't think they're gonna do anything with it right now they're they're using him as like uh, a stepping stone for like well, you see he's fighting who aj and nakamura right is that who he's kind of feuding with just like well he's kind of like on the feud at WrestleMania?
1: basically yeah. yeah he's basically and, and you know it's funny because you listen to the crowd you can hear the nakamura chat and rusev day right on top of it and it's it's bananas man like it's just what it's just you and it and it's been now a couple of steady months of it and I, yeah, you can also see he's taking it the, it started yeah it yeah, started right around november 12 days like. of
0: rusev or something like yeah, so, yeah. Something, so it's been almost almost a half a year like we're in march now
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: that's five months but i mean almost a half year it's like okay maybe we should but i mean maybe they're thinking like oh you know he's just gonna die off i mean i i, I really don't know how they question that. i know like an impact they'd be like hey let's run with this guy because you know they're they're looking at you know shots in the dark and stuff like that whoever's gonna be the next big star and stuff like that impact doesn't have that luxury WWE does they're like well we're going our way okay maybe if rusev fits in these storylines then maybe we'll uh we'll push him maybe but it doesn't work like that over there
1: yeah well it's you know i i also have noticed too you know the last six months of rusev too he's in better physical condition than i think he's ever been in you know he's he's certainly well
0: it's because he's shaped He shaped his like uh a uh, chest, I believe. Like he he's looks a, like more jacked. No, <laughs> he's per- he's lost weight. Because I, I,
1: I watched. I I went back and I and I and I was catching something because the kids wanted to see something. So we were like went back and we saw something from last year. He's lighter than he was. I mean, look, look. You know, hairy You know, you can shave some hair off, but still. But he he's yeah. he's thinner. He's trimmer. He's a little quicker than he was. And, you know, there was rumors about him leaving, too. I remember not that long ago in the summertime where his contract, I think, was up and they were, you know, trying to figure out if he was going to stick around or not. But, you know, look, whatever's going on now, it's working. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know how long the Rusev Day thing lasts. And like you said, maybe maybe there is something to it where you do get in danger of you push a guy who – you know, with the groundswell and it, and it fails and, you know, you might ruin him, or you might, you know, ruin other opportunities you can have for other people that you count on more. You know, I, I here's another question for you. I got too cause I know, I mean, you've been, you know, you've wrestled in, in independent circus. You've been, I mean, you know, you've been all over and you've seen it and you have a, a really good gauge of this. And it's a question that I want to ask too, having worked for TNA not once now, but twice, do you feel like there's still an imaginary line in the territory of the South between the South and other companies? Like, do you, do you feel that? Is, is there that sense either with the crowd or, or just in general, like, yeah, you know, the other, you know, you know, ring of honor, new Japan, WWE. Yeah. they all have their, their moments there. And, and, but is the South still to a certain extent kind of its own unique territory?
0: Oh, you mean like, uh, from a fan base perspective,
1: yeah, like they like their guys and their style or whatever it is. And they're yeah. never going to quite yeah. always be what, you know, love you know the wwe necessarily to that extent
0: yeah um and i think dennis uh, me and dennis argued about this a little bit he wanted to ask uh, uncle jeff about um the south like the the same type of question i'm like i don't know if that's a good question to ask but um we we went back and forth and all that kind of stuff but you know i've worked in the south and you know i'll give you a prime example so we used to uh, do pay per views at this place called The Asylum. It was the Nashville Fairgrounds. We called it The Asylum. That was the name of our place. And, uh, you know, after we retired the weekly pay per views and just was, were filming in Florida, um, yeah, Burt Prentice, uh, he used to run just, you know, local shows there. And he brought me in and me, myself, and Eric Young uh, wrestled America's Most Wanted, uh, James Storm and Chris Harris. And, the match was a little bit different because we're in Nashville, Tennessee. It doesn't get more Southern than that. Mm-hmm. And I've wrestled in that same arena before. And we've done crazy stuff in that arena, you know, cause I mean live on pay-per-view and stuff like that. Um, but I remember whipping off myself and Eric Young. We're, we're beating up James Storm. And I just said back elbow. So we whip him off and we go to give him a back elbow and he doesn't bump. He kind of does this twirl and then like, you know, slowly falls to the ground. Uh huh. And he goes, why are you bumping me? And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> I didn't understand what he meant. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, we, we, don't, we don't bump here. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, because it's so, like, and the thing that the crowd loved the most, we were doing this, like, arm-wrenching thing that they were really into where he was, like, my own partner was wrenching my arm and he didn't even know it. And then we used the crowd. Like, it was just so, like, we call it gaga in wrestling like it's uh-huh. just so yeah,
1: yeah.
0: but but they they react to that they react to that that little funny stuff and just you know they it's could care less if i'm doing a 450 dude. right Yes, yeah. they could care less if i'm doing like a 450 or a backflip or whatever the case may be but if you're in philly they're going to want to see all that high flying stuff they're not going to want to see that right. that you know gaga stuff. and it's, it's just so different you go to california for pwg and you can do all that crazy stuff too which they love but they almost want to see like the most creative comedy you could come up with in professional wrestling. Like it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's almost ridiculous to a point. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the South, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's like their upbringing and it's like, you know, Southern wrestling, like your dad went and now you have a kid and now you have another kid and you just kind of watch that wrestling and you like Jerry Lawler and whatever. Yeah, the case it's generational, be, but,
1: you know, I think wrestling is generational. Yeah
0: it is um so i mean i don't, that's a good question and i don't know if the south is always going to be like that southern style wrestling um I don't know. I don't want to see they're like behind on the times.
1: No, I think they have a different. Um, they have they have a different yeah. tone. I think I think it's exactly right. You know the you know yeah. whether it be the old NWA you know or, or Rick Flair era of stuff or early WCW even before it you know where the Nitro years really kicked into gear. You know I mean it was it was a different brand, a different feel. You know the characters were different. The style of wrestling was very different. Um, and I always feel like they're still. I I think everything is integrated as much as it ever can be but I feel like there's still that original, it's like an imaginary line where you know they still I, almost like you said you know they're they're not as impressed as some of the stuff that you know the Philly crowd or the Northeast crowd would be impressed by or even the Toronto crowd whatever it might be and and I just find it fascinating and I wondered if you felt that and you sharing that story to me says it all to me that's exactly the point it's it seems like it's still no matter how many years go by there's still a difference of working there than there is other spots it's funny too i mean and i know you worked with eric for years i i actually met eric one of my years on sirius xm hosted football shows and he used to call in and then at first i wasn't sure who it was just this guy eric calling and it turns out it was ey <laughs> we started talking and stuff and then a couple of years later we've done shows together the last couple of years uh different networks we've hosted football shows together he's a good dude. I mean, I, I've always liked working with him a lot. He's um, he even showed me one of his early films, one of him and his, him, and his uh, buddies. I'm sure if you're a buddy, his, he make you watch that, uh, that show of his, like when they were uh, some sort of crime stopper kind of things. You ever see that? You, did, he, did he ever indulge you with that? Oh, I'm trying to think if that. Oh, it's hilarious. Yes. It's some like B movie um, thing. He's like, dude, you got to watch this thing, man. Yeah. It's so great. It's so hilarious. <laughs> he sent it to me and I watched yes. it. It was just, Hilarious! I mean, you know, like they're doing bad flips over cars. They're like, you know, they're like bored kids I up in Canada at seventeen, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I remember he actually. He didn't show it to me. Somebody else, one of the other guys that filmed that, like one of the other guys. They, uh, maybe it was Eric. Cage. I remember seeing it though. It was oh, it's hilarious. It was good. I remember <laughs> it was like pretty good. Like it, it was good B rated. I'm like that's awesome you guys are doing like oh you it's know, totally before draft, iphones like, and stuff flip. too
1: like it was like yeah. home movie oh, camera yeah. we got to edit this together kind of stuff so you got you know it's not like nowadays where kids can go out there and make a movie on their phone you know it's not this was you know this is made back in the you know early 90s kind of deal you know it's a whole different ballpark oh man that's uh that was like i said i was going I was just curious if he uh if he made you watch it too because he may be watching i thought it was hysterical no
0: i i definitely <laughs> i did see it i remember that i just can't remember if he showed it to me or if somebody else showed it to me. Because you got to remember, like, he's, he's friends with, like, Ty Dillinger right. and, like, other guys from Toronto, too. So, I mean, all those guys and, like, Bobby, like, all those guys and Cody Deener, who I, I don't even know if you know, but, um, you know, yeah, th- those guys all used to hang out together and film all this stuff together. Going to be professional wrestlers together and oh, work yeah, their were way were up kids, together man. and stuff they were like kids. that. Yeah, they're like yeah. twenty or
1: nineteen years old. Like, and he's just you. Know, you know, you mentioned Bobby for a second. I'm curious there too. I mean, it almost kind of goes back to the same thing that we were just talking about. You know, there's a guy that's you know been around the business forever. You know, different incarnations. You know, had the run with beer money and all that stuff. Had the a successful run at NXT, which I thought was a really good run. And I feel like now he's on the big show, and now I feel like if he's if they don't turn him heel and turn him heel fast, I feel like he's falling flat and he's going to die. I feel like he's coming out he's just an entrance now, and he's kind of getting buried in the middle, and they're not giving him a character, they're not giving him a foil, they're not giving him anything to do. It's like the groundswell of everything he did in NXT, they're just trying to carry it over because everybody liked him in NXT, but I feel like everybody liked him in NXT because he was kind of a dick and, you know, they're not letting him be a dick. And I feel like it's kind of falling flat. And, you know, when you finally get to the, that level and and that paycheck and all that stuff, and I know the the pressure that comes with it, you know, how, how do you, how do you approach that kind of thing? You know, when you, when you get those opportunities, do you think that they're responsible for going to the company and say, Hey, you need to do this. Or, Hey, look, do they sense it? Do they sense when something's not working? Or are they just, some people just happy to be in that position where, Hey, look, I'm here. I'm just going to do whatever they ask me to do for better or worse.
0: Yeah. It's a little bit of both. I remember Bobby back when, uh, team Canada days, maybe post team Canada days. I mean, he does not does not want to be a baby face i remember i
1: mean maybe it's changed it's been i don't know 10 years or so it doesn't feel like i'm watching him it feels like it still doesn't <sighs> want to do it you could, you could tell when a dude's unhappy doing something i feel
0: um I, I i just don't think he's unhappy i just think he's like you know uh i'm more comfortable as being a heel like i i look like he when i first met bobby Roode. i looked at him just, no before i met him I saw the picture of him on the flyer of the show I'm going to be on with him. I'm like, oh man, that guy looks like an a hole in real life. You know what I mean? Right. And then I meet him, and I'm like, wow, he kind of has that smug, like, you know, like I'm kind of a. It's dick just type. his face, like, like it just might yeah, just, be just his the face. way he looks. <laughs> it's just the way he looks, Bobby. I look at up to him now as like a like an older brother. Like he is like so awesome, like hilarious and all that kind of stuff. He's not that person in real life, but when you look at just the look, so you have to play off the look. Why would you make him a baby face? Somebody that doesn't watch NXT, they bring, you know, Bobby Roode to SmackDown and you look at him and people are going to be like, uh, I don't know if I should cheer for him. Cause I just don't like the way he looks. He looks like a bad guy. I mean, he just the, the, like, you know, the squinty eyes and like the beady eyes and all that kind of stuff. Like, and he knew right off the bat, he's like, I don't, I don't want to be a baby face. Like this is back in the the impact days. Mm-hmm. So now, I don't know if he grew, but I mean, you, he probably loved being a, a, a top heel in NXT and he worked, you know, great doing that. And now, what do you do as a babyface? I mean, it's, it's just nowadays, it is so tough being a babyface. I mean, this is the first time in my career I've been playing a babyface. I've been a heel, being pro candidate since like 2004. Right. And now it's 2018. And now they're like, "Oh yeah, you're a babyface everywhere you go. You're a babyface. Yeah, wave that Canadian flag." I'm like, "Dude, I can't wave the Canadian flag in the U.S. Like that doesn't matter. You're a babyface. It's mm. tough, yeah. being a babyface. You know. So I mean, I know he doesn't like it. What are they gonna do from now? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think they're gonna turn him heel. They, they got to do it. I, yeah, I, I don't feel see like who else they gonna go with it?
1: I feel like guys like you, you know, you've just earned so much respect. I think that you've got respect yeah, but from the crowd. He's
0: been around for a long time right. too. You but know? not
1: in this so, company. I mean, you see, the that's the thing. Them. It's like you know, I I feel like, and maybe this isn't true. I mean, I I don't know, but I feel like the, the the there's a really large chunk of WWE fans that just watch WWE. But then there's the wrestling fan, and I consider myself the wrestling fan who watches everything. I'll watch, I watch New Japan. I'll watch, you know, TNA. I'll watch, you know, I, I'll watch whatever it is because I like to lo- lo- see the different things, and and I uh, connoisseur of it but I feel like that's the problem. You know, it's, it's, you know, they don't care about the runs in TNA necessarily, the WWE fan. They don't. And some of them don't even care about the NXT to a certain extent. There's that, that large chunk of the fan base that just knows him from, Oh, he comes out. He's glorious. He's got, you know, this Ric Flair kind of robe thing going on and all of this. And it just feels a little right now it feels empty. And I, and I think it's a waste. And I think, I think if they turn him heel properly and let him do that, that he could save it. I don't think it's, past due but it's it's a weird concern where it just feels really flat and I feel like now he's getting kind of buried he doesn't even have a singles match now it's a three-way match with Jinder and him and and Randy Orton and it's just I don't know it just feels a little weird you know here's another question for you too you know while kind of we're on this and it kind of you know spurns right into it with with the success of some of these independent you know you know Bullet Club has been huge and and the success and and really the integration of because of the digital media world we live in where you can get you know, you can get subscriptions online and watch New Japan. It's on, you know, different channels, you can get stuff and and all these other things. Do you think it's we're in an age now where if you really can put out a good product in one of these other companies, whether BTNA or New Japan, because of the digital age we live in and the accessibility that a company really could put it together if it had the right sensibility and the right people with it and the right star power and really could challenge again almost to the, to the days of the old, you know, Monday night wars.
0: Yeah, um, that's a good question now. And I don't know. So I'll look at impact. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't talk to Scott to more about business or, or Sanja or any of those guys. Right. But just looking i just take a step back and i look to see what's going on organically okay and maybe it's not organically of what's going on so you look at impact you know before it was when it was ran by dixie and stuff like that right it was like we're the best right they didn't want the talent wasn't able to work other shows and be on other dvds and stuff now you look at it and it's like well what are we doing oh now we're working with tommy dreamer house of hardcore Now we're working with, uh, like, Lucha Underground. Right. Now we're working with – so you're making all these, like, connections and, like, uh, I don't know what you call them, like, connections or, like, cross-promotions, we'll call it. Cross-promotion. Yeah, Um, you know, right. Yeah. So now it looks like, okay, Impact's open to be like, okay, we'll we'll cross-promote with anybody, you know, maybe in the future Ring of Honor. That's what I'm hoping for because a lot of my friends work for Ring of Honor. And I'm like, see if you get enough cross-promotions. And everybody, instead of like, yeah, okay, Impact, Ring of Honor, House Hardcore, Lucha Underground, if they all try to like attack the WWE individually, they're going to fail. It doesn't like, you know, it's just not going to happen. But together, as a group, as a team, collectively attacking, not not that you're trying to attack the WWE, but go up against them, that you have a good shot. Because now you're like, oh man, can you imagine if like back in the day, if you had like, there's WWE, I know they weren't the top ones, but like... You know, you had WCW and ECW. It's like two of them teamed up and just went after the other one. I mean, can you imagine if they did it with other promotions, too, that were working their way up?
1: Well, that was I the mean, problem. It'd, it'd the problem phenomenal. in those Monday Night Wars days, is, you know, it's, it's you know, obviously we all know the guaranteed contracts in WCW and a lot of the, you know, the, the big investments in the older guys and the refusal of the older guys to put the young guys over is what killed that company. And, you know, that, that's common knowledge but yeah had things gone differently had they recognized that and had they you know maybe even like you said integrated from ECW or other you know promotions and brought that in i think also the you know the thing that i mentioned too pd is that idea of you know the the wrestling fan i mean the hardcore wrestling fan doesn't not just the wwe fan per se but the wrestling fan you know, they know who all these guys are, so they get a, they get stoked if they see a Ring of Honor guy show up on TNA. They're like, "Oh, wow, cool!" Yeah. You know, there there's a there's a cachet there, there's an excitement level because it's unexpected, right? And if you could do that, if you can make them all kind of intertwined in that way, you know, this whole direct to consumer media world that we live in, to me, I think there's opportunity there, and I see what. You know, you know the Bullet Club putting the show together and all that stuff. I mean, when you hear when you heard that, what was your take on it? When you heard there, he's like, "We're gonna go out. We're gonna put our own show up there, and you know, we're gonna fill an arena." And though no, they couldn't, and they're gonna go out there. I think they're gonna fill that arena that night, don't you?
0: Yeah, I think they'll fill that arena. And I talked with Dennis about this. I'm like, uh, what we're just talking about, like, you know, would, would they bring Punk? If they did have Punk lined up on the card, like, how would you work them? And I said, oh, you know, like if. They sell 10,000 seats. Don't advertise them. You already sold 10,000 seats. You don't need to advertise anything else. But if you're not selling the 10,000 seats and you got to do it, yeah, then you might advertise them to sell that last few tickets. But I think they could do it. 10,000 people. I've wrestled a non WWE show or impact show in front of 10,000 people. It was in like Italy, well, and in Japan and stuff like that. But um, I remember Italy, like, I remember myself and AJ Styles were like the main event when he was NWA TNA world champion. It was right. a two out of three fall match. It just, and it, it was, I think they could do it, especially it being in Chicago. You got the bullet
1: club. I mean. Well, isn't the thing to do PD, isn't the thing to do is prove that you could do it on your own and yes, then have and him the show up, but then have him show up and it's unexpected or whatever. It's not billed. Right. So that the next one, it's like, oh, crap, they're going to be, you know, I don't know, in Texas or they're gonna, wherever they end up being, in New York, whatever. And well, who are they going to bring this time? And you could sell it based on that, based on the unexpected appearance because you've proven two things. Number one, you've proven that you can do it on your own without, you know, necessarily the big card name on there or, or whatever whatever that might be, the star power thing, you know, that big, you know, proven out guy, experienced veteran guy in that sense, but but also to the sense of, Hey, look, we we've got a lot going on here. We can do this, and, and it could really revolutionize the business too. Where you know you're talking about the the talent really taking over in terms of the promotion.
0: Yeah, and I mean the Bullet Club's just so hot right now, and you have to be careful. You don't want to book yourself in a corner, right? Where you're That's like, okay, oh, who who's the who's the surprise guest this time? I remember working for Border City years and years ago. You know, we used to. I remember we brought in, as a surprise, we brought in uh, back when ECW like first kind of went under, we brought in Father Jim. And then Father Jim came out. People were like, oh, my God, Father Jim's here. Who's he going to bring out? Like Actually, they didn't even know he was going to bring out something. He's like, hey, I got somebody that is going to face you. And they brought out Lance Storm. Yeah, And they were like, oh, my God. So we had all these surprises. And people were like, would just show up to the Border City Wrestling shows for the surprises. But then we ran out of surprises. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, but we still had like a, you know, we're advertising Lance Storm or advertising Tommy Dream and all this stuff right off their hot ECW runs. And then they're like, well, is that it? You don't have a big surprise? for it? Like the, the fans were expecting so much more because we were giving them so much more. So you just have to be careful. You don't like book yourself in the corner because they're going to be like, well, who's the big surprise this time? So it, it, say a punk is a surprise. There's not going to be a bigger surprise than that. I don't care what anybody says. He hasn't been in wrestling for years. Um, that's the biggest surprise. You you can't really top that. So well, is there a part of them that doesn't want to do conference?
1: it with Punk? That you think that they're like, you know what we we want to do this without him to prove the point. You know, you can people can speculate and do whatever they want about it, but you know, does that in a way taint the message of what it is they're trying to do and prove the world wrong in the first place?
0: Uh, yes and no, because Punk might want to be part of that. Like, hey. I could sell it 10,000, but you know, the thing is, he's not advertised. So it's not like he could say he sold out 10,000, but no, you're right. He could say he was a part, he was a part of that, but, uh, dude, I, I sure hope they do it because then, um, hopefully like it becomes a thing. Like, like, like you said, um, the talent kind of taking the reins of the control. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Because it's a direct-to-consumer. You know, I I see this in, in, you know, the power of being on SiriusXM radio was great, right? But, you know, it's... It's not, it's, it's equally strong the power of social media. It's equally strong to doing podcasts and being like you guys, like you and Dennis have been doing here. I mean, look at that. Like you guys could be doing this show somewhere on some small radio station somewhere and reaching a couple thousand people, or you could be reaching hundreds of thousands of people, you know, on a podcast where everyone could just get it, you know, without, you know, being in an area. And I, and I feel like that's, that's the beauty of where we are now is if you have a great product, you, you have the ability to put it out there. Whereas back, you know, 20 years ago, you know, you were still kind of regionalized to a certain extent.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, social media, uh, and I've said this before, like at the same time, it's a blessing because you can reach so many people and you can just abuse so much content. If I want it to right now, I can watch like any type of wrestling, so much wrestling from now until the end of the week. And it's only Monday right now. Right. I, that's what I can do back. Like, you know, when I first started watching wrestling, I would have to like scratch and just to find wrestling content because there was not enough out there. So, you know, at the same time, it's almost like we're oversaturated with content, but at the same time, it's like, it's good that, you know, the consumer, the fan, you know, the listener, the watcher, the viewer, they, they have their choice of what they want to view. So if they view your stuff or listen to your stuff or whatever, that just goes to show it's like, Hey, I must be doing something good because they have so much to choose from and they chose me.
1: And they're a more educated base now too because of the exposure to all these different styles. So to me, if you're, if you're hot now, you know, then you must be really good, you know, (laughs) like, you know, because I feel like the general look of the, of the, you know, the wrestling universe out there is it's like you said, much more informed. They have exposure to more, you know, styles of wrestling, you know, you've seen the Lucha stuff, you see, you know, the X division stuff over the years, you've seen all this evolution, the hardcore era of things and all of that. So, you know, we've seen so much of it that if you can really captivate an audience now, I think that's very special. I think that's something that is, you know, if you're at the top of your game now and you're the ones who could pack a 10, you know, thousand seat arena just on your own without a promotion, well, guess what? That says a lot about you. And, and it's also, again, I think that authenticity factor. You know, fans want something authentic. They want they want to go in, they want to, they want to be part of something that's authentic. You know, it's 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 so funny because the 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 idiots, the idiots out there who who still you know, there's still that weird thing where like, oh, it's fake or whatever it is. Like, no, you don't understand it. It's it's a story. It's choreographed. It's all these things. It's entertainment. It's what it is. And If that small base it doesn't understand that, the irony I always found, PD, is the wrestling fan base is the most truthful and honest and can tell you because they want truth. They want, they want to see, they want to feel the journey of the story overlap in the ring and have it played out and the drama played out in front of them. And that's the joy of it. And the guys who can do that and the girls who can do that now, I mean, that's what makes them so special. And I think that's why it's so unique. You know, one last thing here before we wrap up, you know, we're talking about yeah. social media and I wanted to ask you this question because, you know, this is a question that I had asked a couple of, you know, other guys that I know in the business. and I want to get your take on it, too. And I understand the wrestling era in the 80s was very different game. You know, obviously, because there was no social media, God knows what some of these guys were doing. Uh, <laughs> we all know what most of them were doing and we all know the steroids yeah. and the drugs and all those things. But I always feel like when you hear these stories and you've heard them, I know, and I'm sure you've heard a lot of them, you know, firsthand, too. You know, they'd go out there and they'd perform it for thousands of people, the adrenaline rush, all this stuff. And then it's back to the hotel room or to some, you know, podunk bar or whatever it is. And, and trying to capture that and trying to balance the oddity of, you know, thousands of people screaming your name and the next minute you're alone by yourself kind of thing and filling that void. Do you think that social media and Twitter and Facebook and all these interactions that the superstars of this industry have with the fans now – Do you think that that's changed and and has it been a more positive impact on the culture overall? I mean, I understand there's a lot of negativity on Twitter and all that stuff and stupid people, but at the same time, do you think that's kind of bridged the gap a little bit where there isn't that shut off of, oh my God, I'm up here and all these things and this adulation and all this attention and now it's nothing. It's cricket. Whereas the social media almost kind of like bridges that gap a little bit.
0: Yeah, it, it does. Um, like you know, if I wanted, to, I could go on social media and say something, and then be like, "Oh, fans are listening to me. This is awesome. You know, I'm cool." Or, or you're, what? Like right. The, the same thing you. But it's feel natural. Like it's something actors go ranks. through too,
1: Petey. I mean, they're, they're you know, everybody yeah. loves them and whatever, and then you know, and then they're you know, isolated and all that stuff, and it's it's not yeah. different, you know.
0: No, I understand. Everybody wants to be relevant. It's it's great. I just feel, and I've said this before. I think the wrestling industry I won't say wrestlers but the wrestling industry uses social media all wrong I I I really do um and and this is why I look at and I, I talk about this the other podcast I look at Sammy Callahan okay and you know he's 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 using it right what I feel okay he's saying I'm not remorseful for hitting Eddie Edwards in the face with a baseball bat you know uh no I'm not gonna say sorry all this kind of stuff right playing the big heel and stuff like that and he's actually getting other wrestlers involved saying like how dare you not feel remorseful you should say sorry and stuff like that and I'm like dude guys we're wrestlers we know it's a work like how, why are we fighting each other on this I'm like I Sammy Callahan obviously is sorry like and, and, and very upset and remorseful that he hit somebody in the face with a bat i did a felonious assault to a person obviously sorry if he wasn't sorry and remorseful he probably wouldn't have a job anymore but this is great because he's using it everybody's thinking like oh man this guy's a this guy's a a dick man how can he not be remorseful because in, in twitter world you say everything that's true and real so what he's saying right now is real and true so that's how wrestlers and the wrestling industry should be using social media to, 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 you know, mask this kayfabe that's obviously been forgotten. So what Sammy's doing right now, I love it because he has people confused. And that's what it should be. Wrestling should be a blurred line. Like, is he remorseful? Is he not remorseful? I haven't talked to Sammy Callahan. All I know is that I was backstage when after the, it happened. And I know Sammy's remorseful for what he did. That, that's all I can say. But, you know, I'm not supposed to say that or whatever because that's not going to bring ratings to our next show. You know, and and if you're right, it's the perfect controversial,
1: it's the perfect forum to, to reestablish the gray area, if you will, right? Yeah.
0: And that's what wrestling should be a gray area. And I mean, and that's why I mean when the wrestling industry uses social media wrong, because you look at guys that are like, oh man, you know, I, I hate this person and I'm going to kill him and all that kind of stuff. But look at my baby was born yesterday and I'm an awesome dad. It's like, what? Come on, guys. Like
1: (laughs) No. Well, would you, would you, would you expect them to have different account? Like, should they have an account for them? Like, you know, should you have the, you know, PD Williams account for, you know, your, uh, I don't want to say personal use or whatever, but you know, Petey Williams and then the Canadian destroyer is the other one where you do all the kayfabe stuff. Uh,
0: see, I don't, I don't know. Cause everybody's just going to follow that personal one. Cause they want to know your personal
1: guy. Right, Cause it's they like, want to see your kids. <laughs> oh, look yeah, at these cats. Facebook They're account. so
0: cute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I do. You know, I, I like the pictures of my kids on my Facebook account and all that kind of, but on Twitter, like, you know, I'm like, it, it's me, but like, also like, I'm going to retweet my wrestling stuff. I mean, that, that's the purpose of my Twitter. Like, you know, and it's just, it's a weird world we live in. I think, you know, it, it'd be great. And man, you can be the biggest heel on Twitter and, and get so much controversy, but you probably get fired from your job because everybody thinks that what you say on Twitter, it's like, Oh, you can't say it on social media. That's you, you can't say that. It's just, I don't know. I just think it's used wrong. And I think if a wrestling company starts using it the, the way it should be to create controversy and stuff like that without, firing their employees because they create a controversy, then you have a gold mine right there.
1: Well I feel like WWE, like they they toy with it sometimes where, you know, somebody's calling somebody out or saying, you know, somebody asks for yeah, a match you know it's or fake. Of course. It's completely you know it's, it's completely staged. Right. So, yeah. you know, does it matter if it's staged and or, or or like you're saying is 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 the opportunity maybe you're right. Maybe the opportunity is the person who can gray that line a little bit. And yeah, just become, like, like a super heel. right now. Right. Just not become president of the United States. Just, like, an awesome wrestler. Like, if you have somebody who's really good at, like, uh, stirring up the shitstorm on Twitter. But,
0: like, yeah. not,
1: not be president. That, that's just, what I mean. Just not it, do that. It, it, it's,
0: yeah. So, I mean, that's my take on it. Oh, I guess I'll leave it at that.
1: No, it's a good take. Hey, it's a good take. All right, before we wrap this up, too, one one more thing, too. Who is it? You know, okay. I, I, it's always hard because I feel like, you know, it's, and I don't want to put you to the screws or anything like that, but who do you get excited to watch in the ring nowadays still? I mean, it can be guys that you might have worked with before or some up-and-coming guy. Like, is there somebody in the last year or so when you are – flipping around or when you, somebody, you know, you stumble across, maybe Dennis said, Hey, you got to watch this. Or is there anybody to you that you're like, oh, I got to watch that guy work.
0: Yeah. I'm a big fan of, I know we use this word organic uh, all the time and I don't even This is like a new word for me. I, I don't, I haven't remember using it that often. Um, but when I look at stars of the past, that now we look at it it's an organic thing. Stone Cold was such an organic thing. Oh yeah. Like just fans started loving him. The rock the same rock? thing. All of a sudden he was calling Rudy Pooh candy asses and then people were loving that. And then I've was, sat he, I uh, remember sitting in thing.
1: college dude and I'm and I'm sitting there we used to go to my buddy John's house every night to watch Raw And, you know, he came out, he started doing his people's, you know, I'm the people's champion gimmick and everyone, even the people in the room, they were like rolling their eyes. I was like, no, dude, this is hilarious. Like this is, this is going to work. This guy's a genius. And then, you know, a year later he's headlining WrestleMania. (laughs) You know, it's like, you just know. So is there somebody right now that's working that you're like, what this guy's doing is greater, or, or I got to, I got to watch this guy in the ring because he's just so special or whatever it is. And, and, and I think that means a lot more coming for somebody like you, who's, you know, such a tactician in the ring. So that's why I'm curious. Who's the guy that you look at and you're like, wow, that dude's awesome.
0: Um, see, I don't, I don't know if I do. I just, I, I look, I view it more now from a different perspective, like the organicness. I'm like, Ooh, I want to watch this. Cause I want to see how the fans react to him.
1: I mean, that's what I'm about. Like,
0: so who's that that
1: guy? Or gal maybe um, for that matter.
0: Yeah. Like for example, like this Rusev thing, I'm really like, Oh, I want to see how they react to him. Even still, I'm still infatuated with Roman Reigns because I know they're trying to push him for the fans to cheer him. And I'm like, are they going to cheer him this week? Nope. They booed him. So I, I tune in to see, to almost gauge the audience. I'm almost like watching the audience rather than the wrestler. But the wrestler is the tool because, you know, they're trying to present him as either the good guy or the bad guy. Even when John Cena was first years ago, when he was first starting to get booed, you know, I I loved it because I was like, oh man, they're booing him. They're, they're, they're booing him out of the building. It's great. So, I mean, and even when the shield came back when, and they put Roman Reigns in it and they were kind of cheering him. I'm like, "Eh, I, I was very interested in it. So, I mean, I think WWE has to book that way more because, you know, I, I feel like more fans will watch if they, if they just like view it from my perspective, I'll, I shouldn't say it like that. Cause then I sound like no. egotistical, but I mean, that's no, but you're, right. I you're right. Music, you're right. You're up a perspective you know?
1: of, of making it musty television and not worrying about so much of the yeah. outcome, but worry about, worry more about what kind of interesting situation we put them in rather than what's the outcome of it all the time
0: you know or yeah. what's the what's the answer your question like yeah i mean i do like watching aj and stuff like that it's just because I, I love seeing these guys that i used to wrestle like i, I want to watch aj bobby uh, joe all, all these guys that i wrestled before mm-hmm. and, and what, like shared a ro- uh, locker room with and stuff like that i like watching all their matches because i want to see you know how they change and how they're doing things differently and and just their successes i'm so happy for them so those are the guys that i have to watch nowadays
1: well, dude, this has been super fun. Uh, thanks so much for letting me come on here and do the show with you tonight. I want to thank Dennis, too. Uh, if you're interested in listening to our show, you can find it on iTunes. It's called In This Ring. Uh, it's myself and Tim Heaney over from Rotowire. You can follow me on Twitter at JoePizzaPS17. We got a new episode dropping on Thursday. Uh, actually, Actually, no, Wednesday. We're going to be recording Wednesday. And it's dropping a little bit later, usually in the afternoon on Wednesday. We'll recap everything. But uh, we're doing top five WrestleManias. We do a lot of silly stuff on the show, a lot of serious discussions, too. We talk about all the different uh, independents, the main stuff, everything we talk about. And this has been super fun for me, man. And I'm I'm excited. And I hope, you know, we can get you on there and come on and do a quick, you know, 15-minute spot with us if you have the time one time, man
0: yeah sure absolutely and uh you know from our end uh what the our website what is it uh the wrestling perspective podcast dot com that's a it's a mouthful but also you know <laughs> please uh, guys um if you're if you're listening you know if you have not subscribed yet, please go subscribe give us a five star rating and stuff like that um we appreciate all your support and stuff like everything um and yeah, you know, iHeartRadio too. Now we're on iHeartRadio, so we're really excited about that. And You're Joe, so big time, you know, PD. Thanks. Look for, at you, man. I, no, <laughs> trying to make it in the podcast world, man. It's something else. Just, it keep I, just keep carrying Dennis. <laughs> That's all. Just keep carrying him.
1: Keep carrying. Him. But Dennis is a yeah. good pal of mine. I've, I've worked with Dennis for years, and I, like you know, I've listened to the show. I think you guys are awesome, and uh, and I think it's again what's supposed to happen here you know, you guys going out there doing this show, going out there being real and, and you can feel it. You can feel the passion obviously and, and the discussion. It's a great discussion every week. And, uh, you know, I think that's why it's doing so well for you guys. It's, it's well earned.
0: Thanks Joe. And Hey Joe, thanks for filling in for Dennis because, uh, You know, he left me high and dry, and I needed somebody. So thank you for filling in.
1: That's right. Well, I'm happy to do it, and thanks for having me. And I hope all the continued success for you guys. You keep going on in iHeartRadio in the next chapter of the Wrestling Perspective.